Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Well, when you're you're talking after he he was already convicted and and put into prison and and had served something like 12 or 13 years, right? Yeah, yeah, is that one that's when you first heard about it, huh? Yeah. Well, no, it is is actually even further than that because so my understanding of of what happened was when Chris, you know, when this whole thing went to trial, they basically had a somewhat of a confession from Chris. But on the other side, they they also had a a semen stain on Angie's sweatpants that she was wearing and that's what she wore to bed. Well, they had they had the A profile, but it wasn't Chris's. And so based on that, but and so he was convicted solely on on his confession. And so they had no physical evidence against him, uh, but he was still convicted. And so Carol, Carol knew that if the semen stain didn't match Chris Tapp, then that means that there's another guy out there. And she was determined to bring that man to justice as well. And so she started, you know, the, the cops, once they, once they had this conviction, uh, and they had no new evidence. They had no more leads to follow up. You know, it's it's like everything else and every other agency and every other investigator that's out there that I've ever talked to. You know, you can't just keep staring at a file when nothing has changed. You know, it, it and you can't keep searching when you have no. It's it's like trying to cross the ocean without a compass. You know, you, you just you're just going to wander around. So they had other things to do. They had other cases. They had other crimes. They had to to, uh, investigate. And so they did. And so they, they were kind of, you know, they put Angie's case on the back burner until something new came around. Well, Angie's mom, Carol, uh, she was still as every mom would be, as every mama bear would be out there. She's like, I'm going to find this guy. So she started visiting Chris in prison. And, you know, at first when she was just visiting him, she was just like pounding on him saying, tell me who else was there. Tell me who else raped Angie. Tell me who else who was raping my daughter. And I want him to be sitting in the prison cell next to you. Yeah. Now, at this point, Brian, I'm sorry, Benjamin Hodge has been eliminated because of the DNA. So we're assuming maybe there's a third person. Is that what it is? Or they, they don't know because they haven't included him. Well, or you don't know it. it I, I, I'm not really sure about Benjamin. I think they cleared him pretty fast because he didn't, he just didn't match. So there was this third, okay. there was this other person out there and that's, but Carol, you know, she was just focused on, she said, the only guy that really knows is the guy that was there. I mean, she was assuming that Chris initially was guilty and she it was interesting of the times that I was actually talking to Carol. She, she said initially in fact, when, when the guilty plea came down, she, she left the courtroom. She was, and there, there's video of her leaving and she's just, she was so incensed that he would do this to her little baby girl that, you know, she just, she just couldn't be, be there anymore. And she, 
she hated, she said she hated this man. Like she had never hated anybody else. And so for her to actually drive down to that penitentiary and to visit him, um, I mean, she was a woman with a mission. I mean, that was, that's just incredible to think of facing her daughter's killer face to face and actually asking him time and time again and visiting him over and over and over, just pleading with him to tell her what, who this other person was, who was this other guy that actually raped her because the, the only, the only DNA they had, the only semen stain they had was a, some male perpetrator that wasn't Chris Tapp. So over the years and Chris Tapp, even when he was in prison, he maintained his innocence. In fact, his lawyer, the minute the guilty plea came down, she looked at Chris's lawyer, looked at him and said, you, you need to appeal this. You, you are innocent. You need to appeal this and you need to write to people, you know, governors, other, other officials and, and basically always maintain your innocence. Anyway, she, she knew that he was innocent and, uh, and he did too, but he was, he was put in prison anyway. So Carol, you know, as she was visiting him over the years, uh, you know, <clears throat> once they hit about 11 12 years in prison and having visited Chris Tapp so many times, getting to know him a little bit, always the fact that he would always maintain his innocence. She, and at some point the, the, the thought came to her that maybe he didn't do this. Maybe he didn't kill Angie. And so then uh, when, when that, realization fully hit her things flipped and she started not just you know i'm sure it was a continuation of her research of of evidence and everything else but she actually started really getting into dna and and researching dna and she became you know really knowledgeable about it well fast forward another four or five years so basically now Chris has got the Idaho Innocence Project, the interest from them. You know, they're, they're starting to really evaluate his case. They're starting to look at not only evidence, but also how the entire investigation went down. And that's when Carol was doing, again, research, and she found the MVAC online. She found some information about collecting DNA, and the MVAC came up. And so she called us and one of, one of my coworkers passed it, passed the call to me, which was kind of our tradition. You know, whenever a victim's family member calls as the president of the company, I would, I would always take the call. And so I remember that, I mean, this was years ago and, and it's still brightly right there in my mind. I'm like, you know, she called and she said, this is Carol Dodge. My, my daughter was murdered. And kind of told me the story and said, but there's this guy that's in prison. He's been convicted for my daughter's murder, but I don't think he did it. And wow. Wow. that right there uh, was one of the really amazing things because how many times does, does somebody that is in prison uh, actually did, one of their biggest advocates is the victim's parent. I mean, I, I, 
I'd never heard of that before. Have you? No, I, I don't. I don't. I can't recall any case I have now. Yeah, and so that kind of made it uh, unique. But my my biggest thing is when somebody calls us, and and it, again, it's a victim's family member or friend or any anything else. I'm not the investigator, and I'm not an investigator, and so I'm really I try to be really careful about what I what I tell that that other person, whether it be family member or friend or anything else. And it, it's the, the main reason is because I, I don't really have the background on, it. I'm just getting one, one side of it. And so even if that side is hundred percent accurate, I, I still need to ascertain that. And so basically all I, all I could do with Carol is to say, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and I, I, I got an email address from her and I sent her the typical information that I would send anybody or that I would give out at a conference. And so it's the basics of the MVAC talks about really what it does, what its capabilities are, you know, how it can, can collect more DNA than other traditional methods like swabbing, you know, things like that, maybe some case successes that it, it, it had had in the past. And so apparently when I sent that to Carol, uh, she must've either forwarded it, or printed it and taken it right to the to the uh, police station because the detective that was over Angie's case called me the next day and said, hey, I just got this information on the MVAC. Carol Dodge gave it to us and I want to know more. And so now I'm talking to an investigator. So now I can go a lot more into detail. I, you know, find out what kind of evidence they had, you know, that's and, and helping helping the detective understand what our system could do for him, a big part of that, in my opinion, is understanding what kind of evidence there are and, and or, or there is, and you know, kind of going from there. And that's that's kind of what I did with him. And most importantly, I forwarded him his information to a another uh, CSI in the Salt Lake area named Francine Bardol, who had an MVAC. And she was really good with it. She'd had it for a number of years, had worked multiple cases with it. And so she was kind of in the Salt Lake area. She's kind of the person that that when you had any kind of an MVAC consultation where it had to be, you know, law enforcement to law enforcement, I would always send send things to her. And so she she got involved with it. And next thing I know, they were bringing evidence down to, you know, from Idaho down to Utah and they were they were sampling it and initially they had only focused on sampling you know kind of where they thought Chris Tapp you know if he was there and if he was holding Angie down while she was being raped and you know where would he be holding her where would he be depositing his DNA by gripping onto her ankle or her or her wrist or something like that and so that's kind of what they were initially looking at and they got DNA but none of it matched Chris Tapp that all matched that, that semen stain. And so then they're like, Oh man. Okay. So maybe that wasn't where, and so they, they basically said, we want you to thoroughly MVAC every part of this, of, of her clothing. And they knew that the perpetrator had, had used the teddy bear that Angie kept next to her bed, had used that and to, to muffle her screaming. And so Francine actually did such a thorough job that she took all the stuffing out of the teddy bear and so that 
all the pieces could lay flat and then the MVAC could be uh, utilized, you know, to its premium. And, you know, that she said that was an incredible, incredible amount of work, but yeah. It, so they literally just MVAC it more thoroughly than almost any other piece of evidence I've ever heard. And again, got tons of DNA, but it all matched the semen stain and none of it matched Chris Tapp. And so basically they're looking at, you know, this this kid's been in prison 18, 19, going on 20 years now. And essentially, even with the most modern day tools, they should have some kind of physical evidence. I mean, his DNA, you know, if you think about it, Tom, and all the crime scenes that you investigated and all the all the stories that you've read and things like that. If somebody was was holding down a victim while another while another perpetrator, you know, stabbed or raped or you know, anyway, assaulted a victim, their DNA would be all over. There would I mean that that person's DNA, you'd find it somewhere. And especially with a tool like the MVAC and how how aggressive it is. And they couldn't find his DNA anywhere. So they now had no physical evidence. All they had was, you know, his, supposedly his, his confession, which he had rescinded. And so they let him out. You know, they gave him that, that Alford plea. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.